Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker podcast. This is the final Glorious Goodwood preview. We are previewing Saturday, day five of the Qatar Goodwood Festival. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by Andy Holding. As ever, Odds Checker's tipster, Andy Holding. And I imagine come Saturday, given both Goodwood and Galway, Andy, you're going to be a um, pretty tired man, but hopefully a bit of a richer man as well. Yeah, we'll still have one more day to go at Galway, so it won't quite <laughs> be done for me just yet. But uh, yeah, we've got quite a bit of water to go under the bridge as we, we're doing this on, on a Wednesday, but a Thursday, Friday, and, and now we're going to preview Saturday. So hopefully I'm not looking to bail myself out of trouble um, by the time some of these selections are due to run come the weekend. We're recording this just after about half past 12 on Wednesday, about 40 minutes before the first race of the second day. Um, but as such, we are recording before the 48-hour <laughs> final entries the final decks so a couple of these might come out and remember if you are going to back these before um, around about 11 o'clock on Thursday uh, and the horse comes out you do not get your money back so just be wary of that um, and we will try I'll try and remind you where relevant as well uh, before we get into the racing just going to point you in the direction of the odds checker app for all the very very best prices for all the best bookie offers the best free bets and of course including Andy the very best tipsters across all sports make sure you download the app if you're watching this video or you're listening to this podcast it's because you clearly have an interest in horse racing in betting and in value and if that is the case uh, you certainly should have it on your phone uh, <clears throat> on now to the first race of the day uh, it is the uh, the consolation race for the bigger stewards cup later on in the day um, and we don't have any prices for this at the moment so as we have been doing all week and he's just going to run his uh, run the rule over the runners as they stand at the moment and flag any to keep an eye on when prices do uh, open up probably the day before around five o'clock so Andy which ones which ones would you say at this early stage take your fancy yes yeah, it's, it's very um right to, to point out the, the, the possibilities of, of a draw bias here. Um, obviously, it's the first race of the day on the, on the straight track. Um, and we, had, we don't know the draw, so it's very mm. difficult to, to be dogmatic. But if providing they do get drawn on the right side of the track, I do think there's a couple that ran uh, well over the course and distance early on in the season that are worth considering. And that's Treacherous and um, Lamplighter. They finished first and second in a, a good handicap here back in June. Uh, the time figure was very good. And Although Treacherous um, only just won that day by a nose, he's subsequently gone on to Frank that form himself by winning at Haydock the other day. I thought he was very impressive again. He's just a horse that's on the up. Ed de Giles seems to have a canny knack of improving horses like this as the season goes on. Uh, so he's got to be on the um, shortlist, along with the Lamplighter, who ran an extraordinary race at Newmarket last time. I consider he completely fluffed the start. Um, he, he got himself to, a long way back, but he came through and held every chance only then to get beat by turn to rock. That was a really good effort. That was off the back of that run behind Treacherous. And he's got solid Goodwood form. I don't think he's actually run a bad race at Goodwood, to my, mm. to my knowledge. Um, I think this is quite a substandard race. Normally, you know, the consolation for this race would be, you know, horses rated in, in, in the 90s. But, you know, you look at the bottom rated horse here, Venture Express, as I'm speaking here, only rated 66. There's a lot of 70 rated handicappers. So it's their real big day in the sun, a lot of these. So, Horses like Treacherous and Lamplighter wouldn't normally be on the tip of your tongue when you're talking about a, a Stewards Cup consolation, but they do have um, claims in, a, in a, what looks a fairly weakish renewal. So those would be my two at this very moment in stage against the field. And just for those who, who will be keeping an eye on when the draw does come out, you mentioned a good draw. What kind of, are you looking for high numbers or low numbers here? 
Well, in the last few years, I think uh, middle to low has definitely come out on top, which is um, low numbers. Um, mm. The stand side tends to be churned up because they have lots and lots of races over the stand side during the week. And then when they, they, they sometimes shift the rail out as well on the far side and, and that far, far side strip of ground, which is um, not, not used so much or even down the middle is not used so much, that uh, becomes fully effective. Um, but we might get one or two other guides later on in the week um, before Saturday. So do keep an eye on that. Um, but because if, if I've got to nominate where you want your horses to be drawn at this very moment in time, I'd say middle to low. Middle to low, so beware of backing treacherous. It could be treacherous if it's a high draw. And you know, Andy's column, I'm sure, <clears throat> Andy's column, I'm sure, on Saturday morning will allude to the draw and what we have learnt during the week as well. So it could be worth just sitting tight, waiting to see Andy's write up on Saturday morning. Uh, now on to the second race of the day, the summer handicap. And this time, I'm happy to say we do have prices. So Laffy. Uh, is joint favourite alongside Cape Coast, both at five to one. Future Investment and Ghostwatch both in at eight to one. All right, Sunshine, the max we can, calling the wind, Indianapolis, Mancini, all 12 to one. I mean, there's so many still in this. It's looking very open indeed. Uh, any that you'd be happy to, to chance at this early stage? Well, I thought the, the old Newton Cup um, was a very good race this season. Um, it looked on paper beforehand a very competitive re- renewal. You've got Laffy in there off the back of a good win on the time figures the time before. The trader had run well in some good handicaps. Ranch hand run well at Royal Ascot, if you remember, I think he finished fourth and mm. fifth. Scarlet Dragon had won the, the mile six race at the at the Royal Meeting. Um, and Babo's boy as well was very impressive when beating Herovian and Alternative Fact at the track um, early on in the year. So it was chock full of horses that A, ran well at Ascot, B, brought to the table solid form. But it went the way of Deja who um, handled the conditions better than any on the day. But I thought Laffy came out of the race with a huge amount of credit and arguably ground that on the day was probably plenty soft enough. Um, but he stuck in there, hung in there tough. And like I say, if it wasn't for the winner, he, he would have run out a worthy winner. But already the race has worked out really well. Also, at 58, Jemira uh, went on to win at Ascot on Saturday, if you recall. Mm. And the trader um, ran really well. Um, in the Rip and Bell Ringer um, a, a week ago when he finished third in a, in, a, in a decent race there. So small sample sizes, but that old Newton Cup looks as though it's going to pan out as the, as the time figure suggests. Uh, La Donda V, I think he's another horse that runs early on in the week. I think we might have covered him on, on the Friday. Yeah. So if he runs well, um, that's another feather in the cap to Laffy's form. But whichever way you strip it down, Laffy definitely brings the best form anyway into the table. And Laffy currently jocked up as well by Ryan Moore. So you'd think should be, I'm not going to guarantee it because I've got bad chat records with that on this podcast, but you'd think should be a guaranteed runner as well. So you should be safe, but beware. If you do take the five to one about Laffy with Bet Victor at the moment and Laffy does come out, uh, you will not get your money back. But Laffy, the selection for Andy at five to one. A- any double figure prices that you, do you think maybe if, if they do turn up, would be worth chancing? Um, I thought Mancini was quite good the other day at Newmarket. He's won at the track before. Ian Williams' horses seem to be in good nick as well. His handicappers are going well. Rishun was a good winner for um, for that stable mm. um, a, a few days ago. And Calling the Wind as well. He's another one. He beat Rajinsky last time at Ascot. He was, I think he was 40 to 1 that day. But the pair of them pulled well clear. And Rajinsky ran on to run really well next time out at Newbury. So he's definitely one worth uh, more than a second look as well if he runs. Mancini and calling the win there to look out for, as well as the favourable mention for Laffy. 
Uh, the Lily Langtree is the next race in the day, the third race. And you have uh, Enbihar at six to four is favourite. Uh, Manuela de Vega uh, for Rafe Beckett is 11 to four. Uh, Caballetta, 11 to two alongside Snow. And then 14 to one bar um, at the time of recording. What do you make of the of the match between those top two? Well, Enbihar, I think, sets a, a pretty high standard. Um, she obviously won this race last year. Um, on on fast ground, and it was that unfortunately the fast ground that she desires wasn't in her favour at Newmarket in her seasonal reappearance in the uh, Princess of Wales Tattersall Stakes. It went the way of Dame Malliot, um, and it came a slog in the end. And that's not what she's about. She's a real easy mover that goes across the ground really nicely. And considering it was her first run for 270 odd days, she was bound to need the run as well. But when she won this race last year, she beat Manuela de Vega very comfortably, and that Manuela de Vega in contrast, has won two races this season on soft ground. Mm. So with the weather continuing to dry out, which I think it will um, do as the week progresses, unless they have a, a huge deluge of some thunderstorms coming up from the south, um, I think this is very much going to play into the strength of Enbihar on fast ground in this kind of company. I think she's got the beat into this field. At six to four, you'd have to think so. Any others to, to take Enbihar on with if you're not so keen on Manuela de Vega? Um, on slightly firmer ground than she's won on? Um, I quite like Mac, uh, McAwee. Um, she's not probably the, the classiest of horses, but I, I do like her as a horse. I think, I think uh, her run at Newbury last time out suggests she's still going on, on, on the on the improve. She's likely to run her race. And Dubis Affair as well. I think she's been very well handled by Charlie Fellows uh, moving, up, moving her way through the ranks. She's only got a mark of 88, but she looks better than that. Um, okay, and they're just horses to talk about rather than actually put up as selections, but they're interesting runners all the same, but yeah, it's one of those races where I'd like to take on the favourite because I do think that it's vulnerable, but on this occasion, this one isn't. McAwee, 14 to 1. Dubious Affair, 25 to 1 uh, with Bet365. If you are looking for something at a slightly bigger price, um, but Andy's sticking firm with Enbihar at the top of the market. And we're rattling through these. Uh, we'll get on to the, the Stewards' Cup now. And uh, we have uh, Nahar is 5-1 to one, pretty much across the board. And his favourite, uh, Miras, is 10-1. to one. Uh, Gulliver, 12-1. to one. Rewayat is 14-1. to one. Plenty of those are 14-1. to one. Lexington Dash, Summerhand, and then a few more down at 16-1. to one. Plenty in there at the moment, as you'd expect. Plenty will run. Plenty will also not get in. Um, and at this stage, we will start with, with Nahar. I mean, it does look a fairly um, prohibitively short price for a, a six-furlong race of this nature. Do you think it's, it's justified? Well, I think we get this situation pretty much every year, don't we, in, in these mm. heritage handicaps, the Wokingham, particularly the Stewards' Cup. The Stewards' Cup seems to be have a tradition. Um, I think Car- did Carden win it, I, th- I think, a couple of years ago. And, you know, looking back in the day, that thing of Baldins that won it when, when Frankie was on it. Um, and the name is case with the Jeff mm. Smith-owned horse. It always seems to have, like, a group horse in waiting in it. And, and if ever there was one in that bracket, it's got to be Nahar. Massively impressed with the way this horse won last time out in a, in a huge figure. Of course, it run well the time before at Ascot, uh, uh, right up the Stanwells. He just got he, he just got picked off that day. But when he went to Newbury the day, he, you know, he was devastating. Everything about his performance, you know, smacked of a horse that's going to be out, out of handicap company sooner rather than later. I think they've had this racing on on mind for for quite a while, um, and looks about the right price really to me. Um, but there are a couple in the right too. I think. At this stage, it's definitely worth considering at double-figure odds. Who are you looking at there? 
chairman of the board, one of them. Um, Mick Shannon and the team seem to have got him back on track. He had a year in the wilderness when everything went wrong in, in pattern races and handicaps, but he was very impressive on his debut here, clocking a fast time as a two-year-old. And I think it was that that, that performance which made them think that they got perhaps a, a group performer further down the line. And as I said, he, he's rather fallen out of love um, with perhaps one or two uh, of, the, of the guys in the yard that have flagged him up. But he's really come back to his best in the last few weeks. He was good at Windsor the other day. Uh, I still think he's on a feasible mark compared to how highly they rate him at home. And the other one to mention is Kimi Five, who ran mm. in this race last year, but got an absolutely horrific run through the stand side. Everywhere where Shane Kelly went on him uh, last year, he just got no run, got blocked in his path. But he finished his race off very strongly. He's subsequently gone on to run so many good races uh, since. Second at Haydock behind Barbill. And then he was also very unlucky in the Bunbury Cup the other day, game when he didn't get the clearest of runs. This horse is definitely capable of winning a big race sooner or rather later. Um, and it could well be um, the weekend. I've seen Kevin, Kim Fallon's been booked, mm. uh, who's, who's now got to be obviously up there with the, the big race Saturday jockeys that we've seen week in, week out. Obviously with his Oxted victory, giving him loads of confidence. Um, and what, what price is he, George? Around about 14 to 1? 20 to 1, can be fine. 20, wow. Although, that is although a big I should price. say, yet again, Andy, we had it on the Friday podcast as well. Paddy Power have cut into 14s. Um, so they are inside your head. Um, but Kimmy 5, 20 to 1 as it stands at the moment. Just want to ask is you that, about. Is that, is that 20 to 1 across the board, George? That is 20 to 1 pretty much across the board. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of firms, 18. Um, but three I, I, wish I, could, I, I wish I could write my piece now and, um, and send that out because. I think I'm sure. I'm sure if you speak if you speak to the lads, uh, they'll let you put up a, a, a wee Saturday anti-post selection, maybe. That might do. Yeah, yeah. If I get a quickly chance to knock it out this afternoon, but or, look, or, or we, we can call it an odds checker podcast exclusive, and then when it goes, we, in... we can put that up now. Yeah, for anyone yeah. listening now, that that is an advanced anti-post tip. Yeah, if you can get five places twenty to one, or you know, even even four places twenty yeah, to one, places, I'd, be, all the 20s. I'd rather I'd rather put that up at twenty to one now. And, and at four places and perhaps 10 or 12 to one on Saturday at, at sort of five and six places. Mm. How, what, would, what would be your staking? Point each way? Uh, it'd, be, it'd be a point each way at that price, yeah. Point each way at 20 to one, Kimmy five. You have it here yeah. exclusively. Just want to ask you about one other um, horse, Andy, because it was one of the most remarkable stories that went under the radar, I thought, at, at Royal Ascot with Hay Jonesy. Um, everybody, it was a Kansas <laughs> City shuffle. Everybody was looking at Bielsa for, Ke- for Kevin Ryan at the top end of the market. Hey Jonesy went off 18 to 1, which may sound like a big price, but I'm pretty sure Hey Jonesy traded in triple figures and then about 10 minutes before the off was absolutely relatively smashed up before going on and winning just ahead of Summerhand. Summerhand then obviously went on to win next time out. Uh, the form figures for Hey Jonesy in its four runs before that win were 12th of 23, 16 of 24, 15 of 22 and 22 of 23. So they landed an absolute touch. Could you see, could you see Hey Jonesy taking on that form again? Well, Hank Jonesy had run really well, I think, in the Commonwealth Cup, hadn't he, um, yeah. a few years ago. And he'd always got that big run in him. Um, you know, obviously, it was a Group 1, and he'd slipped down in the weights. And I, I think it was a classic case of those insiders knowing that the horse was going to lead. Um, you often get a situation where the front runner trades shorter and running. So perhaps yeah. those that are pot-shotting at a big price knew that, that those are the tactics and thought, well, I'll back it at 100, I can get out of it at 20. And it was just a case of... <laughs> the odds shortening, shortening when everyone become aware of what was going to happen. But of course, lo and behold, he went and made all and, and stayed in front. And of course, that was uh, very much a, a dagger through the heart for me because I'd back Summergan, who I thought had got up near side. Mm. Um, I mean, Summergan, we'll get onto him, um, not wanting to uh, walk away from the Hayne Jonesy um, talk. 
But, I mean, he's been an amazing horse, hasn't he, in recent times, Summer mm. He's always been there or thereabouts. Unfortunately, he's worked himself up now to a mark of 108 without winning one of them. You know, he's been, like, placed in, um, you know, that, that rip and roll, this great St. Wilfrey, the Woking and the Stewards Cup. Um, he's literally hasn't missed every big gig. He's danced every dance for the last two years and we're still out w- without winning. Um, whether his time will come now trying to give weight away to Nahar, he's, he's open to question, but I, I think he'll run his race. What, what, you know, he's likely to be in the first three or four again. Somehow in top weight, as you say, uh, is I think 14 to 1. I'll just double check that now. Um, yeah, 14 to 1. And Hey Jonesy is uh, 16 to 1. Um, so there you have those two. I guess probably the tactics for Hey Jonesy might be the same. So you could try that tactic yourself of, of getting on and then closing out if that's the way you like to play. Uh, on now to the final race that we'll be able to cover in detail because we have the prices, uh, and that is the Qatar handicap, where Society Lion is the current seven to two favourite uh, ahead of Mr. Snowden, who is six to one alongside Cold Front. Uh, Bashir is seven to one, uh, ten to one bar. Uh, again, plenty left in there uh, at this current stage. Andy, um, do you think uh, that the, the market has it right as it stands? Mm, possibly. Yeah, I mean, Society Lion was a a withdrawal as we speak to on the Wednesday, largely due to perhaps the draw. Um, I think he was drawn 16 to 16, wasn't he? All right out in the wing. Um, I, I don't if, put it this way if there's something wrong with him, it, it's going to be one of the greatest recoveries of all time, isn't it? To get him back to yeah. the gig on Saturday. So if he doesn't make it, and if there is something wrong with him, that three to one looks plenty short enough. I'm a massive fan of Colfront, um, the William Haggis horse. It took him a while to get off the mark. Um, but he did so, as expected, in devastating fashion at um, Haydock the other day. He made all the running, pretty much, um, and he clocked a very fast time in doing so. But his runs prior to that were very unlucky. He was unlucky at uh, Kempton beyond Murhouse, who subsequently gone on to Frank the Form. Um, Yarmouth, he just got caught out in the, with the run of the race that day. But I do think this, I do think this again, and we're, we're talking about horses who could be group horses in the waiting. He's another one who could easily fall into that bracket. But at least, unlike... One or two of the Haggis horses we mentioned earlier on in the pod, he's still at the kind of rating that allows him to run in a race like this. Um, if he bags a good draw on the day, then I'll be all over cold front. Could be a very good couple of days, Andy, for uh, for William Haggis if, uh, if this all yeah. comes true, because he put up a few of those both on this one and also on Friday's pod as well. So if you listen to this before Friday, make sure you get that one um, because, yeah, a few good tips, good words for, for Haggis horses. Uh, any others, any sleepers down the, down the field at kind of bigger prices? Um, not really, no. Uh, Mr. Snowden, he, he's also another horse that didn't run on, on the Wednesday as we speak. Uh, he was unlucky last time out being drawn on the wrong side of the track at Yarmouth. Um, I think seven furlongs will suit him. Um, he, he, he's another one to mention. There you go, Mr. Snowden, six to one alongside Cold Front there. Uh, we'll move on to the last two races of the day. Sadly, no prices at the moment, but we will just flag up any that Andy is keeping an eye on. We have the, the Maiden, the 440. Um, you know, a pretty long list at the moment, but any on your short list? Um, the horse of uh, John Quinn's called uh, Titan Rock, I thought ran quite well on debut. Um, r- runs in the colours that um, is often well re- represented in, in races like this, safe, the Safe Voyage uh, owners. I think, think he'll mm. go quite well there. And um, in the final race, uh, where are we? Yeah, George, Scott has, it, yeah, George Scott has inherited a horse called Exec Chef off uh, Jim Boyle. Um, apparently been working quite well at home and has got some form around sort of places like this, Epsom and 
think he's run at Goodwood before, but he, he's he's potentially quite well handicapped. And of course, he finished fourth behind Montatham um, early on in the season in that new market race, which is working out mm. incredibly well. He ran well at Sandown next time out. Uh, Thor Hammer Hampson's been booked. Um, good apprentice. So it's apprentice handicap. So you know, you're looking for the best for apprentices, and he's riding as well as any at the moment. So he's an interesting jockey book in there for a horse for having his first run for George Scott, exec chef, worth keeping an eye on in the last. First run for a new trainer in a handicap at a big meeting. There you um, go. I am sold, Andy. I'm sold. Um, thank you very much, Andy, as ever, for joining us. No Just problem. before you go, if you, you know, what is your nap for the day? Uh, I know it's it's pretty early to be talking of this stuff when we don't know exactly who's running, but if you had to have a bet as it stands, who would you be backing? Um, well, of the, of the short ones we've talked about, uh, obviously Entihar, but the prices, I've flagged it up already. Uh, Kimi Five in the work in the Stewards Cup, 20 to 1. Um, Kim- that- Kimmy Five is the one, I think. Kimmy Five, the nap for Andy. Uh, make sure you download the Odds Checker app immediately if you've enjoyed this video or this podcast. Um, you can find Andy's tips there every day alongside other tipsters such as Daryl Carter and his daily nap and across all other sports as well. You also get the best prices, the best book he offers, the best free bets and all the best tips as well. Fingers crossed we've flagged up some winners for you on the Saturday. We've recorded a pod like this for every single day of the festival. So make sure if it's not too late, you get on those either on YouTube or all good podcast platforms. Fingers crossed, as I say, for some winners from Andy there. Most importantly, though, make sure you please do gamble responsibly. Hold up. 